Hello, bookers. Uh, welcome to the first episode. I'm just going to get on with it, I guess. I'm not going to faff about. I'm here to tell you about book. I'm going to split this episode into a couple of bits. The first off, I'll talk about Proust and then about Knarsgaard. Um, and then I'll just chat about some of the books I've been enjoying, I guess. Uh, um, if you wanted to see any of these reviews... Um, in text form i guess uh i'm on instagram as who gives a book so i encourage you to drop in on me there and if you've got any thoughts don't hesitate to let those thumbs shuffle around and uh, let me know about them so okay i doubt anyone's going to ever hear this or see this i don't know why i'm nervous but i just wanted to sort of document my reading um it already feels like i'm dying on stage so let's just get going uh, first off, I'm going to talk about In Search of Lost Time, Volume 1, The Way by Swans by Marcel Proust. Um, I've got the Lydia Davis translation. The Moncleaf version was uh, too expensive. I've got a whole collection of them in the Penguin Modern Classics. I love the Penguin Modern Classics. I've got an entire shelf full of Penguin Modern Classics, so I don't feel like I'm at a disadvantage for reading this one in this particular uh, translation um what to say about it it's, it's gorgeously written i'd put off reading this one for about 15 years because i was under the impression that uh, i wouldn't be smart enough for it or for some reason um you know there'd be too many references that i didn't understand and I, i've got to say that that's partially true but one thing that I have now that I didn't have 15 years ago is a really strong internet connection and the ability to look up um, references to art and music as I go through the book. And that has been absolutely fantastic. It's just illuminated the entire thing for me. Um, I'm going to read these again. Of course, I'm going to read them again. So I guess the translation version doesn't matter too much. Uh, I know I'm going to read them at multiple points through my life, and it's almost going to be a um, a regret of mine that I didn't read these sooner. Uh, as I say, they're gorgeously written. Um, it's it's like a feast of a book. It's crazy. Uh, from Orangeade to the other foods, um, this is a book that just lead you on a scrumptious journey through society at these dinner parties that they go to um what it's about it's about um fomo it's about a uh, fear of missing out i guess um it's about a character who feels part of society but then not part of society uh the young narrator is too young to be part of society at this stage and so he sort of clings to his mother's um apron strings although to be fair if i doubt that the wife was ever in aprons uh this is high society paris um it's about romantic jealousy swan for his wife um adept they have a very tumultuous relationship um it's about memory of course it's about memory um it's about looking back on life and being able to see the intricacies that you couldn't have seen at the time that sort of flew over your head but those small little 
motions and movements and gestures and references that uh, hinted at something further than you could explore at the time. Um, and yeah, I guess it's also about the self and society. So um, Swan sort of fluctuates between being part of the group and then dipping down into a lower social class because of his love and sort of feeling not really at ease with either. Uh, so if you're going to read this one, I highly recommend it. Don't wait 15 years. I think ideally read this at every decade of your life. So uh, read it, I would say early 20s, carry on mid 30s where I'm at now um, and keep going with it. I'd say persevere past those first 50 pages, the notorious 50 page uh, brick wall that most people don't seem to be able to get past. Uh, and it doesn't matter what translation you pick up, because um, I found it um, just an absolute joy to read, uh, which is fantastic. And it leads us on to the second book I'm going to talk about. Gnar's Guards, uh, A Death in the Family. It's uh, my struggle series. This is one that I'm currently reading, so I haven't finished this yet. I'm about halfway through the book. Um, but I decided to read these in tandem, In Search of Lost Time, in tandem with A Death in the Family. Partly because, I mean, they follow similar themes and it almost seems like a contemporary version. Not that um, In Search of Lost Time was written all that long ago, but the differences in the way that we talk about life and society and just completely different approaches. If uh, Proust is high art then Knausgaard is um, in the thick of it. It's domestic, it's raw, uh, it's unfiltered. There's there's not the... Um, he's not hiding behind things here. Well, that was my initial impression. Pretty soon, uh, it became very, very obvious that um, I was getting suckered in here. It, it's like reading um, a fortune teller because he's telling you things about these characters and you've got to remember this is partly autobiographical. So you've got these characters that are real people and he's telling you so much detail about them. He's like a soothsayer. There's no way this man knew as much as he professes to know and he writes down in this journal. Um, and that, that's how I'm approaching it as, as his journal. Um, I think as a reader that moment where i started to, to doubt his 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 uh his word and he became a sort of unreliable narrator to me that was the moment where it really started sort of started to get interesting for me as a writer i, I was uh deeply impacted by that um so what's this one about this one is about um i mean it's he's uh norwegian i think yes he's norwegian um and he grows up from from the from from the text, it almost feels as though like in the middle of nowhere, but it's it's a it's obviously within the town setting. Uh, but there's a lot of forests around. Uh, the sense of isolation is paramount in his text. He's writing about a painful childhood, basically of being the loner, which uh, I associated with uh, um, immediately. Um, I've, I've felt that way in the past. Quite a lot of, of things he was talking about, about his um, thought processes, they hit uh, a raw nerve with me as well. 
particularly his um, relationship with his father, which is this weird sort of um, deified, like he, he really feels like his father's almost like a godlike presence in his life, which I found um, really intimidating. Um, major criticisms of the text uh, seem to stem from his style, which I'd liken to Henry Miller. Uh, he goes off on a lot of tangents um we start off it drifts in on this uh, essay about death and what we do with dead bodies in society uh, sort of keeping holding them off um at bay you know not not really confronting the realities of uh, you know organic decomposition where the um we we uh, often report the the numbers of deaths it becomes statistical rather than a a, a um impactful you know um uh, yeah I, I guess this one was a little harder going but provisionally i'm going to rate it as a five out of five um we, we've dealt with his childhood somewhat it's been quite traumatic um but also quite a lot of his issues stem from a sort of juvenile approach to life um you can see the, the starting of uh, bad habits that he's going to have for the rest of his life. You can definitely tell that. Um, yeah, so a provisional five out of five. If he keeps on going the way he's going, probably a four out of five. But I think for the two, the, the two between them, In Search of Lost Time, Death in the Family, uh, sorry, uh, Way by Swans, Death in the Family, they marry together really well. So uh, I encourage you to read them side by side. Uh, read one, then the next, uh, whichever way around. Uh, but what I've actually done as well is had little palate cleansers in between, <laughs> almost. Um, so let's go on to one of the palate cleansers. So this one is District by uh, Tony Duvert, I guess. Uh, Duvert? Uh, it's uh, I think the author's French, although I didn't get a clear answer on that one. Um, this one is ten vignettes, little tiny sketches of a world that feels a little like um, Borges um, imagined it. It's uh, it's got the scrumptious scrumptious descriptive style. Um, it's the way I described it in my review on Instagram is that the best way to describe it is like the moment after waking up before you've had chance to sort of rearrange the images from your dreams into a coherent narrative. It's that jumble. It's that sort of cacophony of sounds and um, yeah, the assault of smells and even memories of things that have just not happened to you. Um, they're all jostling around in your brain and you're, you've not quite put them into that narrative structure yet. And that's what he's doing. He's presenting you with this um, strangely familiar, unfamiliar world. And let me read a section to you. So um, down the length of the urinal's outer slabs, along the mossy slate or the zinc, runs a thin rivulet of water that gurgles like a fountain and softly the mosses receive both the water and the light. For me, that was like, a, I've got to stop here and just absorb that for a second. 
because it marries up the grotesque with the beautiful in this really strange way. Um, so I couldn't help but but uh, rate this one four out of five. Uh, it's got a, a bit of a, a weak grip in some senses. Um, I think maybe a few more stories would have bulked up the, the um, it's essentially a pamphlet almost, <laughs> this little booklet. Um, but I like it. I like the alliterative dance over sprawling incoherent images. And uh, yeah, that's a thumbs up from me. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about is this one, Wilder Winds by Bell Olid. Olid? Yeah. Um, I really didn't like this. I really, really didn't like this. Um, it's sharp. It's definitely raw. But it failed to resonate with me as in any way authentic. And that might be a strange thing to say about fiction. But I do feel like you get a certain authenticity of voice from a writer. And I didn't feel that here at all. Uh, some of them were really bullseye, like absolute hit the mark. Um and then other ones were just no good at all. There's a story in it called Red. And if I had to review the entire collection on this one story, Red, which is about a, a young girl observing a, a um, traumatic birth in a besieged city, um, I would say absolutely five stars. It was so good that I, I that's what I mean by inauthentic. I didn't feel like it was written by the same author who would then go on to write the other book, the other stories in the collection. So for this one, just a two out of five. Uh, no, no good at all. Um, but we're not going to finish on that book. We're going to go to another one. We're going to go to a slightly contentious one. Um, this one. One Party After Another by Michael Crick. Um, if you're listening from the UK, you know who Nigel Farage is. Um, or you think you know who Nigel Farage is. Um, I don't think even Nigel Farage knows who Nigel Farage is. This guy is um, a worryingly... Um, deceptive individual i guess is i mean i i don't i don't want to come across as too um tall like i've i've made my judgment before i finished the book but i was struck at one point by the sort of high drama when crick is explaining how the ukip political party in the uk started and um all of the things going on about Brexit and how they were uh, petitioning to get this done. Um, and it just came across like a bunch of rich white guys trying to influence British government in between piss-ups. Um, and it's at that point that I remembered that that's all politics has ever been. But um, this he's a character who, again, this is I'm currently reading it, so I haven't finished yet. Do reserve judgment. He's a character who, his main motivation seems to be to appeal to the lowest common denominator 
I guess, uh, in some twisted attempt at getting uh, notorious and gathering uh, a sort of, oh, like uh, Katie Hopkins. Katie Hopkins, is that her name? I'm just going to look for uh, Katie. Yeah, Katie Hopkins. She's um, a vile <laughs> columnist, I think she's described as, uh, an English media personality, but just somebody who who revels in causing um, mayhem um and he's Nigel Farage just comes across as another one of those characters he doesn't seem like he has um a grand uh, mission set out by god or uh he's not defending the realm in any way he just seems like he's um out for himself um and and then trying to convince everybody that he isn't I mean, that's a remarkable thing about politics for me, especially in the light of everything that's happening, um, you know, with Ukraine and Russia and all of them are, all of these these um, politicians are presenting themselves as um, victims of circumstance rather than actually spearheading the decisions that they're actually making. Like, none of them have any accountability. Uh, or I guess any authenticity, which is, it's my um, personal bugbear as people that aren't authentic. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening to me rant on for almost 20 minutes. As uh, I've said already, you can find me on Instagram on who gives a book. I don't know if I'll do this again. Uh, if you like listening to me witter on about these books, please like let me know in some way because if uh, 10 of you turn around and say let's have another one um you'll get another one and i'll get better with time i think all things get improved with some practice so um thanks again and uh see you again perhaps see you later